What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another mini season here on Cinematic Reviews. I'm your host, Chris, and this, of course, is the show about all things movies and TV. Every week, I give my thoughts on the newest releases, beloved franchises, and even upcoming projects like Star Wars and Marvel. You can support the show by giving it a rating slash review on your favorite podcast service, as well as following Cinematic Reviews on all its social media pages. I really do appreciate all the support out there from you guys. This next mini season is one of my personal favorites. Cinematic Reviews will be tackling the kick-ass universe. Today's episode will be on the first kick-ass film, which stars Aaron Taylor Johnson, Chloe Grace Moritz, Mark Strong, Christopher Mintz-Plass, and Nicolas Cage. To kick things off, let's talk about some kick-ass facts. Kick-Ass was released on April 16th, 2010, and was directed by Matthew Vaughn. He is best known for both Kick-Ass films, both Kingsman films, and X-Men First Class. Kick-Ass grossed over $98 million worldwide against a $30 million budget. This was a film that blew up back in 2010, so it was no surprise that it would eventually spawn a sequel. After being rejected by every studio, Vaughn decided to raise the budget and make the film independently. He ultimately sold the movie to Universal Studios for more money than he originally asked for. Hit Girl's first appearance wasn't working as well as they hoped. So Moraz's mother suggested that they revert back to the comic book and have her use the word cunt. You gotta love the level of support from a mother, especially in a situation like that. Cage based his mannerisms as Big Daddy on Adam West's Batman from 1966. His speech got a little annoying for me, to be honest, and I'll get into that more later on in the episode. Frank D'Amico was a nod to the mob boss of Springfield and The Simpsons. He was called Fat Tony, or Anthony D'Amico. The comic montage of Big Daddy's past was illustrated by John Romita Jr. He is best known for his extensive work at Marvel Comics. It was Nicolas Cage's idea to give Big Daddy an even larger mustache. No surprise there. Brad Pitt was originally set to play Big Daddy, but decided to do Inglorious Bastards instead. I don't blame him for that. I think Cage was the right choice for the role. Uh, and Brad Pitt went on to do Inglorious Bastards, and that was just a phenomenal movie on its own. So, I, But I think Cage was the right choice because he just took the role and just ran and went completely bonkers with it. And it was a lot of fun. Daniel Craig and Mark Wahlberg were also considered for the role as well. Christopher Mintz-Plass originally auditioned for Kick-Ass, but was later given the role of Red Mist. And lastly, Mortez trained extensively with the Toronto Circus School before filming started in order to do most of her own stunts. She was only 13 at the time of the filming. Now, let's get to my thoughts on Kick-Ass. Kick-Ass is a franchise that I loved when it was announced. I remember seeing all the posters and the commercials. I was in high school, I believe, when this film came out, so I was the perfect target audience for it, and I was immediately sucked into this world. I absolutely love this universe, particularly the first film, because it was so different from the other comic book films that were coming out at the time. The MCU was in its early phase one lineup, and DC was in the middle of Nolan's Batman trilogy. But Kick-Ass was something totally different from both of those. It didn't pull its punches. It was violent and funny and even heartwarming at, all at the same time. The cast was alone was phenomenal in it. 
Aaron Taylor Johnson is an awesome kick ass. Chloe Grace Mortis, her hit girl is still a huge fan favorite today. Mark Strong as the villain was such an excellent choice. Christopher Mintz Plass fires on all cylinders as uh, Chris Domingo. And Nick Cage just goes freaking nuts with the Big Daddy character. The film wouldn't be the same without this specific cast, especially Nick Cage. I can hear Matthew Vaughn in my head yelling at, out to Cage, more crazy Nick. Cage was dedicated to the role and I respect him a ton for that. He truly cares about the craft, especially this character. The plot of Kick-Ass is pretty straightforward and I think that works to the film's favor. Dave Lewinsky, who is played by Taylor Johnson, asks the age-old question, how come nobody has tried to become a superhero? So he takes it upon himself to become the first one to do it. He dons the name Kick-Ass and sets out to protect the city. During his first days of crime fighting, he runs into fellow heroes Big Daddy, a.k.a. Damon McCready, played by Cage, and his daughter Hit Girl, a.k.a. Mindy McCready, played by the badass Mortez. Their mission is to take down crime boss Frank D'Amico, who is played by the menacing Mark Strong, because they believe that he is behind the death of Mindy's mom. Chaos slowly consumes the city and forces Kick-Ass to join their team in taking down Mark Strong. It's a really easy to follow story that I absolutely enjoy. I love a good revenge story and Kick-Ass totally delivers that. I love all the characters and the crazy journey that they go on in order to become the world's first superheroes. The violent action sequences though is what captivates me the most. Matthew Vaughn is so good at action. And if you want another example of how to do action the right way, go check out his two Kingsman films. The action in there is incredibly well done. Cinematic reviews will most definitely be tackling those two films in the very, very near future. But sticking with Kick-Ass today, the action is very comic booky in the film in a good way, to be honest. It's very violent and chaotic, but executed so well. Every bit of choreography was thought out and performed incredibly well by the cast and the stunt crew. It was the right choice to not have any restraints on the film. For this to work as well as it did, Vaughn needed to just let loose, especially with those action sequences. Now let's take a break with a fun trivia game before jumping into the segments. Once again, you can play along with the trivia game with me on the Popcorn Trivia app. Just search for Kick-Ass in their library. We're going to be doing Act 1, which is 10 questions. So let's get started. Who is Todd? The Christopher Mintz Plass or Evan Peters? I believe it was Evan Peters. And it was. He played David's friend, Todd. Second question. What is the name of the cat that Kick-Ass tries to find? Mrs. Peabody, Mr. Bitey, Mrs. Sprinkles, Mr. Bigglesworth. I can hear Kick-Ass yell, fuck you, Mr. Bitey, in my head right now. So we're going to go with Mr. Bitey. And that is correct. He was on the search for Mr. Bitey. Next question. After her father fires the first round into the bulletproof vest, how many more rounds does Mindy have to endure before she can have ice cream? Was it one more round, three more rounds, two more rounds, or four more rounds? I believe it was three total shots. 
So it was two more rounds we're going to go with. And that is right. Question four. Who pretends to be gay in order to spend time with the girl of his dreams? Was it Red Mist, David, or Todd? It was David, I believe. And it was. David pretended to be gay in order to spend time with Katie. Number five. What does Todd do while his buddies make out with their girlfriends? Do you leave the table and discuss, makes out with his hand, eats a burger, or reads a kick-ass comic book? I believe he was reading a comic book in that scene. And that is right. He was reading a kick-ass comic book. Number six. In which of these four scenes is Banana Splits played? Was it when Red Mist grabs the sword, Hit Girl uh, crashes the live stream? Was it Hit Girl during the Razul's apartment massacre? Or was it Dave after he got severely beaten up and ran over by a car in the hospital? I am going to go with Razul's apartment massacre. And that was right. Banana Splits by the Dickies was playing during Razul's apartment massacre. Number seven. What does Chris D'Amico, a.k.a. the Red Miss, call his red Mustang? The Miss Mobile, the Miss Machine, the Mist Wagon, or the Misting? I want to say it was the Miss Mobile because I think they were making fun of the Batmobile, but it also could be the Mist Machine. But I think I'm going to go with Miss Mobile. And that was right. It was the Miss Mobile. Who said that's right? We're superheroes. You love us. Was it Kick Ass, Hit Girl, Big Daddy, or Red Mist? I believe it was Red Mist when him and Kick Ass were driving in the Mustang. And that was right. It was Red Mist. Number nine. Which of the following is a side effect of Dave's accident? Heightened senses, increased strength, rapid healing, a dulled sense of pain. I believe he had some fucked up nerves. So we're going to go with dulled sense of pain. And that was right. He couldn't feel pain as we normally do because of the nerves. And the last question. Which of these four recipes is inspired by the movie? Um, I'm going to go with the one with the picture of Mr. Bitey because, well, Mr. Bitey was uh, one of Kick-Ass's first missions. So we're going to go with that. And that was right. So I got 100% out of this game. Feel free, though, to share your score and even your thoughts on the first Kick-Ass film. I would love to see all your comments on the universe and the trivia game. Now, let's get back to my thoughts with some fun segments. So first up, we're going to talk standout scenes. Kick-Ass taking on the guys in the parking lot. This was a great way to introduce the audience to the reality of superheroes. He gets his ass completely kicked so bad that he is on death's doors minutes into the film. It was a great twist on the origin story of superheroes. The fight at Razul's apartment. I absolutely love this fight sequence. The audience gets introduced to Hit Girl and she's totally badass. What makes the scene even better is that the character is only 11 or 12. Moritz was 13, I believe, during the filming, which is incredible. There's nothing better than a small kid mercilessly killing some thugs. Big Daddy's comic book. I love a good montage, and this comic book montage is 
terrific. I'm a huge comic book reader, so seeing the origin story of Big Daddy and Hit Girl through a comic book was such a great choice by Matthew Vaughn. Next is Frank kills Kickass, uh, the Kickass impersonator, and the bystander. This was just a great quick scene to show off how off the rails Mark Strong's character is at this point in the film. Strong is one of my favorite actors, and I think he was perfect for the Frank D'Amico role in Kick-Ass. Kick-Ass hooking up with Red Mist. I love a good buddy team up, so Kick-Ass and Red Mist meeting up was awesome, even though we as an audience know that Red Mist is completely full of shit and out to pull a fast one on Kick-Ass. The Massacre at Frank's Lumber. I absolutely love everything about this sequence. The choreography and the brutality were so well done. My brother was never has never seen the Kick-Ass films, actually, so I showed him the scene, and he was totally hooked from with it. Dave telling the truth to Katie. This is the heartwarming part of the film that I love. Dave and Katie's relationship was very reminiscent to uh, Andrew Garfield's Peter and Emma Stone's Gwen in the uh, Amazing Spider-Man films. This actually came out before those films, which is even cooler. And then the final fight at Frank's dope-ass condo. That entire sequence is was incredible and a lot of fun to watch. Hit Girl coming in and wrecking everyone was so awesome, especially with her fight with Frank D'Amico. Kick-ass flying in with the Gatling guns was even more awesome. It's so brutal. I love Mark Strong's uh, his top uh, goon guy walking around with a freaking bazooka. That whole bit was hilarious. Then the next segment, favorite quotes. First, we have uh, Dave says, how come nobody has tried to become a superhero? And then his friend Marty says, because it's fucking impossible, dipshit. I just love how, without any hesitation, Dave's friends tell him that he is going to die if he tries to become a superhero, like any friend would. Next is uh, Kick-Ass says, fuck you, Mr. Bitey. This line just cracks me up. The cat is being so difficult for him. Honestly, though, I think this would be an average day for somebody if they really did want to become a superhero. Finding lots of pets, picking up trash in the park, maybe the occasional gas station holdup or stolen wallet. It it wouldn't be bad guy after bad guy. There there would be very boring days and nights with no action whatsoever. It's it's not all run and gun as the as the comic books or the movies portray. Next quote is Hit Girl saying, just call the mayor's office. He has a signal that shines in the sky. It's in the shape of a giant cock. I just love Hit Girl so much. Mortis was the perfect casting for the character. She's the, honestly the best part of the film for me. And this line totally cements that. Next, uh, Frank says, Mommy, I want a kick-ass party. Dumb little fucks. <laughs> I love Mark Strong in this role. He, he's so good as a shithead villain. This line always cracks me up because of how Strong delivers it in that chi- childlike little voice. Next is Redmas. Uh, Redmas says, oh shit, fuck me, that kind of hurt. Uh, I believe this was when he jumped off the garbage can when he first met Kick-Ass. This was just a funny line from Mince Blast that it cracks me up every time for some reason. I think it's because when I hear it, I can visualize McLovin from Superbad saying it and not Red Mist. It's just, I, I just find it really funny. Uh, next quote, Frank says, not until somebody finds this cocksucker and blows his lungs through his fucking ass. This is just another great line delivery by Mark Strong that I, I I love. I just I love his Frank D'Amico. It's it's so cool. And then another line for Frank: a bazooka. Okay, Frank's reaction to uh, the huge goon is is 
just priceless. I think most people would respond the same way if they were in a similar situation. I know I would be. And then Kickass says, even with my metal plates and fucked up nerve endings, I gotta say, that hurt. This line does a great job at telling the audience how fucked up and brutal this scene is. And by this scene, I this I believe is when the live stream was happening to a mass Kickass, and they were getting the him and Big Daddy were getting the shit kicked out of them. And then I'll I'll expand on that scene a little more in the next segment. Next quote is Big Daddy. Uh, he says, now switch to Kryptonite. Go to Robin's Revenge. Nick Cage is just at full Nick Cage level with his delivery of these lines. This is when he was being set on fire during that live stream. And Hit Girl comes in and he's telling Hit Girl what to do in order to take on the bad guys. That, that whole scene was so brutal, yet very, very heartwarming. Because the audience immediately fell in love with Big Daddy and Hit Girl early on in the film. So seeing one of them die by being burned... Is it's just completely devastating as an audience. Then next quote is Hit Girl. Show's over, motherfuckers. This is just another badass line for Hit Girl that I love. This was when she killed all the bad guys and then she shot the camera of the live stream and said it, the show was over. And then lastly, Red Mist says, Under control, you're grabbing a fucking bazooka, you dumbass. This is probably the line that cracks me up the most. Mitz Plast delivers this line so well. I just, I love it. Now on to the next segment, brutality. So this is, uh, these are different instances of the, the films, that, the film that I found the most brutal as far as the violence. So for, first off the bat, we get the cutting of the guy's fingers off in the warehouse. This was a great way to set the tone of the movie and to set up the how brutal the Frank D'Amigo character is. Then the next one is uh, Damon McCready, a.k.a. Big Daddy, is shooting Mindy. There isn't any blood in this, but this is still a really brutal scene because Mindy is only like 11 years old in the film. Uh, even with her wearing a blue bulletproof vest, it's, it's still a very brutal sequence to watch this little kid get shot by her own dad. And then she goes, and I love that she just goes flying back. And it's, it's just a crazy scene. Next is Kick-Ass being stabbed and then hit by the car on his first day as Kick-Ass. This is a very bloody and violent sequence to watch. Bond did such an awesome job at, at ex executing this entire sequence of him fighting the two guys in the parking lot, getting stabbed in the gut, and just hurt, uh, stumbling to the road and then violently getting hit by that car. It was, it was crazy. Next is the cooking the henchmen in the giant microwave scene. This is probably the most brutal scene in the film. It's so violent and so bloody. I wasn't—I was honestly not expecting a, a scene like this to be in the film when I first saw it. Then we have Big Daddy and Hit Girl crushing Cody, who is one of D'Amico's guys. This is another brutal scene that was executed really, really well. I love how you can see the the little burst of blood on the window inside the car when it gets crushed by the machine. It's so cool. And then the kick-ass live stream. This whole sequence is right up there with the giant microwave scene for the most brutal sequence in the film. I love how the brutality slowly escalates to the point of Big Daddy freaking getting set on fire. It, it's so crazy. I love everything about this scene. The dialogue, the choreography, all of it. it the brutality, it, it's all so good. The hit girl shooting inside the guy's mouth at the, the entrance to Frank's uh, condo. It's a short sequence, but I love it because I can't imagine the pain of being shot inside the side of your mouth like that. It, God damn, that's got to hurt. 
then Kick-Ass killing everyone with the Gatling guns that are attached to the jetpack that, uh, if you remember, Big Daddy ordered before he died. I love the decision to make this slow motion because it, it allowed the audience to see every bullet hit Frank's goons. It's, it's such a great example of how to use slow motion properly in an action sequence. And then lastly, Kick-Ass blowing up Frank with the bazooka that we keep getting the running joke of. It's, Mark Strong had to go out by a bazooka. There was, there was no getting around that. He had to die by the bazooka. It was the only fitting end of the character in my mind. It, it's so brutal the way to, the, they shot it. And then having that running gag of the bazooka before that, it was it's set up so well. Now the next segment, comic book versus film. So Frank D'Amico was actually named John Gen- Genovese. It's, I probably butchered that, but it's, a, it's an Italian mob name. They are, of course, one of the most powerful families of the mob. So they changed the name to D'Amico in order to avoid any trouble from, from the family. Then in the comic, Damon McCready, AKA big daddy was only addressed as McCready. Damon, the name Damon was actually given to him for the film itself. Uh, big daddy was not an ex cop in the comics. He was actually an accountant who got bored and kidnapped his daughter in order to make her a vigilante. The character made up the the whole ex-cop backstory in the comics in order to sound much cooler. Many fans, including myself, prefer the film's version. Even the comics creator, Mark Miller, prefers it. And Kick-Ass uh, does not get the girl in the comics. Uh, that's just the movie is where he does. Uh, Kick-Ass also is blonde in the comics. Aaron Taylor-Johnson is, of course, a brunette. So the film just went with that. Uh, Although I do think Johnson could have pulled off a blonde if Vaughn really, really wanted to be super accurate with the comic. But whatever, it, it doesn't hang, really anger me. I wasn't too attached to the character being blonde or brunette or redhead or whatever. Uh, and then in the film, Kick-Ass's costume has a hole for his mouth. While in the comics, his mouth is actually covered the whole time. I think I prefer the comic book version more because it just looks better to me, but... I don't get too hung up on it. I'm not, like I said, I'm not super attached to the comics and how accurate the movie is. Just, the movie is great the way it is. Uh, the comics are actually more violent than the film. That I think, uh, I think I could have used a little more violence in this film. I mean, there, there was still, like I said, the brutality segment. There, there's so many great scenes of brutality, but I mean, I, I would have loved more violence to be honest. I mean, the, I do remember the comics being super, super bloody and violent and, Maybe maybe Vaughn could could uh, expand on that a little more to a third film if he ever does. And I'm really curious. I haven't seen the sequel in a long time, so I'm really curious to see how the violence and the blood compared to the first film to the second film. Like, does it escalate or did he kind of dumb it down a bit? I'm, I'm really curious to see that. And then lastly, Red Mist is uh, actually more of a cool guy in the comics versus the this nerdy fanboy kid that Mince Plast portrays in the film. And now for the last segment is, of course, the negative segment. Um, Kick-Ass is unfortunately a movie of its time. I mean, all the gay jokes and the retard jokes, it, it, would, it wouldn't be accepted today. Um, comedy movies have definitely changed in the last, say, five or so years. Um, if Vaughn was to make a third film, though, I, I think it could still be made despite how comedy films are today versus back in 2010. Uh, it would be so awesome to just at least let him finish his trilogy. I mean, if he has to, I'm sure he would, with the comedy, make it a make it acceptable today. I, I trust Matthew Vaughn on on what everything he does. 
Uh, next is the Nick Cage is awesome in this film, but he he could be a bit much for some viewers. I know a few people who actually aren't really Nick Cage fans because they considered him too over the top. And and Kick Ass is one of those films where he just he lets loose. I mean, I mean the like I said in the fact section, I did get annoyed with his big daddy voice. It he didn't really. I understand what he was going for. He was kind of paying an homage to the great Adam West Batman, but that was a bit much. He should have reined it back a little bit with that. But I mean, I overall I do I love Cajun, and he goes full Cajun this, and I and I absolutely love that. It, it works in this film because Kickass is such a bonkers to walls comic book movie and he was perfect for the role but i i i understand this it won't appeal to everyone it, nick cage is a unique actor who does tend to turn people off and but he does have a huge fan base still like like for me i i enjoy him that that does it for me and then lastly red mist costume at the end i understand that we he went with the orange because of his dad but i'm not a fan of it if you if you notice if you go back and watch uh, Frank D'Amico actually only wears orange for whatever reason I don't remember if that's a comic book thing or what but Frank D'Amico wears only orange shirts so I mean it makes sense to have Red Mist go over to the orange suit to honor his dad after his death but I I didn't like it I didn't really care for the mask he puts on and the orange just doesn't work on the character I think I prefer the red. With the, with the cool red hair. It's it's a cool look for him. And spoiler for Kick-Ass 2, for anyone who hasn't seen that yet, he doesn't wear the orange suit again. The suit actually gets dumber. I don't know how it's possible, but it does. But aside from those couple of negatives, Kick-Ass is still a really fun comic book movie that I absolutely love. This is one of those franchises that I wish spawned more films, like a Hit Girl spinoff or even a third or fourth main storyline film. I believe Vaughn is currently busy with the third Kingsman film right now, but there's always hope for a third kick-ass film. It probably sounds like a stupid comparison, but if Top Gun can get a sequel after 30 years, why can't Kick-Ass get a third film to complete its trilogy? I think it would be a really successful film in today's theaters because there is still a huge fan base for these movies. I, I honestly think moviegoers need a kick-ass three right now, too, with Marvel firing on all cylinders and DC being the hot mess that it is right now. Kick-Ass 3 would be a nice breath of familiar but fresh air for not just comic book lovers, but just moviegoers in general. There there would obviously have to be a, a time jump due to the character, the actors being so older now. But I think with the right writing team and Matthew Vaughn, of course, helming it again, it, Kick-Ass 3 would dominate the box office. It's, it's wishful thinking, but never say never, as I always say. But... To end the episode, let's talk rankings with the Kick-Ass franchise. So I've always ranked the first Kick-Ass film or its sequel, but not by a huge margin. I've always had a lot of fun watching both. I just, I think I consider Kick-Ass the better film overall. Plus, Nicolas Cage doesn't return as Big Daddy in the sequel for obvious reasons. And that's a huge bummer for me. As ridiculous as the character may have been, I always enjoyed watching Cage play him. I think it's my favorite Nicolas Cage role, to be honest. I do remember still loving a lot of things in Kick-Ass 2, so I'm really excited to rewatch it for the show. It, it's been a, it's probably been oh, three or four years since I've seen both of these films. 
And who knows, maybe this next rewatch will change my mind about how I rank them against each other. But until then, you can, of course, find the Kick-Ass Ranking, along with many, many more on both IMDb and Letterboxd. Just search for Cinemac Reviews. Well, that'll do it for part one of the Kick-Ass mini-season. Be on the lookout for part two, which should be dropping in the next week or so. Also, join me every week for New Release Monday and Franchise Friday. This Friday's episode will be the premiere episode of the DCEU season with Zack Snyder's Man of Steel. Until then, though, remember to always kick ass.